Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He it sounded like this incredible, kind of futuristic, but somehow realistic way to, to treat cancer. And yeah, I'm so excited to be working on it. It feels like such a privilege to be doing something kind of so forward thinking in New Zealand. We're kind of punching above our weight. Kia ora, no mai harumai kito tātou au hurihuri. Hello and welcome to Our Changing World. Ko Clerk and Cannon Thane. Yasmin Nori is in her final year of her PhD at the Malagan Institute for Medical Research. She's working on a type of cancer treatment called CAR T-cell therapy, using modified immune cells to fight cancer. And she's not the only person here excited about how cutting edge the technique is. Like the first time I heard about it, I was like, this is science fiction. This is postdoctoral researcher Dr. Patricia Rubio-Reyes. From Cuba, Patricia moved to New Zealand to do her PhD before joining the team here about a year and a half ago. I mean, it's not like super, super new, but to me it was new. And it's, it's a chimeric receptor. <laughs> like it's a mix of so many different proteins that already exist, but not as, a, as one protein. And it literally saves lives. And it's actually your own immune system doing it. And it really, I think it, it really demonstrates how far we've come in science, you know, like we're moving away from these chemotherapies that aren't targeted, they have huge side effects, you lose your hair, you feel horrific for however many months and hopefully that's a thing of the past and we're really moving into this new era of cancer treatment where it's personalised and it's targeted and it's really kind of, there's all this, this huge base of knowledge about the immune system that can go behind it and just, it, I think it's such a good example of kind of human ingenuity and, and science progressing. Patricia and Yasmin are both in the research team for the CAR T-cell immunotherapy program. Now, CAR T-cell therapy is where the patient's own immune cells, T-cells, are genome edited so that a new receptor is added onto them. A receptor that helps them recognize and destroy cancer cells. The CAR-T cell therapy research team here at the Malagan Institute is led by Dr. Rachel Parrott. So to get an overview, I sit down to chat with Rachel in her office. It's several stories up on the Victoria University grounds along Kelburn Parade in Wellington, overlooking the city and the harbour. You've just got the most stunning view. I do. I think I'm one of the luckiest people in the building, actually, even better than the director's view, so I can't complain. Rachel is an immunologist who started her scientific career here. And after many years doing cancer research, first in Switzerland and then in the US, she's now returned home to Aotearoa to take up this new role. And so I work with the clinical director, Rob Weincove, who directs the clinical trials and heads the whole department um, to sort of manage the day-to-day research activities. And that's trying to generate the next generation of CAR T-cells or building some improvements to our current clinical CAR T-cells so that we can make them better for the future. And you say the research side, because... 
within the Maligan Institute, there's kind of a clinical side That's and right. a research side. Yeah, we have a phase one clinical trial going on, which is the first um, step of a clinical trial where a drug or a therapy is being tested for safety and to see if it actually works. And so I'm a little bit involved in that, but it's mainly run by our clinical team. And in parallel to that, we actually do experiments uh, to, to generate new therapies and also to check the blood samples that come out of the clinical trial patients and see if we can um, find out more information that will help make the next clinical trial even better. So the clinical trial is being run on patients with a certain type of cancer? Yes, so it's on patients with a type of B-cell lymphoma and so there's many different types of cancer. This is a particular blood cancer um, and again not all blood cancers are eligible in this particular trial. So people with a, a lymphoma that's made of B-cells and of a particular quite aggressive and difficult type that's resistant to current therapies and so we're giving them an extra option of a therapy that might have some potential when other therapies have failed in the past. CAR T-cell therapy is still in relatively early stages. It has been approved for use in several countries, including the US, the UK and Australia. But it's expensive, can have serious side effects and can only be used on very specific cancers. This New Zealand trial with B-cell lymphoma patients began in late 2019. It involves using the third generation of CARs, so beefed up receptors compared to the initial ones first made. This third generation CAR design is similar to ones licensed in the US and Europe, but the New Zealand team are also using a unique signal, which they hope will make the therapy more effective. So because it's new and different compared to the other CAR T-cell therapies being used abroad, it needs to go through clinical trial testing. But before we go any further, what exactly is this therapy? Everybody here says CAR T-cells, which makes me think of some kind of souped-up Subaru immune cells speeding around the body squashing cancer cells. But the CAR part is in fact an acronym. Okay, so CAR actually stands for chimeric antigen receptor, and that is just a way of the T cells recognizing, or the immune cells recognizing the cancer cells. So a protein on the surface that sort of acts like a, a little claw that can grab onto specific types of cancer cell, and that gives the T cell the signal that those are the cells that should reach out and kill. And so how this works is they're the person's own T cells, right? Their right. own immune cells. Yeah, so there's different kinds of CAR T cell therapy. There's autologous CAR T cell therapy when we take the cells out of a patient's blood and modify them and put them back. Or there's allogeneic CAR T cell therapy, which is a bit more of a futuristic option where we might be able to take a healthy person's T cells, engineer them, and then give them to a cancer patient. That's a little bit more complicated because you'd need to match the cell types like in a bone marrow transplant. So at present, the best way to do it is with a patient's own cells. And therefore you bypass all those issues around the body potentially rejecting right. cells because they're your own cells. That's right. There's much less risk of rejection, although we should bear in mind that the CAR or the chimeric receptor we're putting in is actually going to not be from the patient. So there is a wee risk that they'll get rejected. Um, but we're working on strategies to avoid that too. Can you give me a little, just a little summary of what T-cells actually are? Um, I could give you a very long summary. Let me try and make a short version. <laughs> this is a classic immunologist response because it is a truth universally acknowledged that our immune system is incredibly complex. So the immune system has 
two main arms. One is the innate immune system, which is kind of just a very um, primitive way of noticing anything that's infected your body and sort of fighting it off without any specificity. And then there's the adaptive immune system, and that comprises of B cells, which make our antibodies, and T cells that either kill stuff or what we call help other parts of the immune system to do their job the best way. And in CAR T cell therapy, we're um, trying to focus on both those killer and helper T cells that are able to go after either a virus such as um, the SARS-CoV-2 virus or a cancer, in this case, a B cell lymphoma. And um, in CAR T cells, there's the added benefit of having the T cell, but also the chimeric uh, antigen receptor is made up of an antibody with some T cell um, signaling additions. So you've got sort of the best of both worlds. Okay, so you've taken a T cell and kind of just vamped it up. Right. It's got extra additions on, like extra cancer-fighting additions It does. On. So antibodies, as we know from our COVID-19 vaccinations, are very good at like really well, recognizing something really well. So in our COVID-19 vaccine, it teaches our antibodies to recognize a virus. Um, in our CAR T cells, we use an antibody that recognizes a cancer, and we give um, that to the T cells as kind of their way of recognizing the cancer and finding it. Why are our bodies not very good at recognizing that cancer themselves? You know, this is our own T cells that are going to recognize and kill this cancer now that you've kind of given them right. more instructions. But why can't they just do it themselves naturally? That's a really good question. And it's because our immune system is trained from when you're born pretty much throughout your life not to attack its own tissue, so you don't want your immune system to accidentally get overexcited and attack your brain or um, your pancreas, and that's what happens in autoimmune disease. So in um, multiple sclerosis or diabetes, your immune system's actually gone haywire and is attacking yourself. Um, in the terms of cancer, we want the immune system to attack something that comes from our bodies, but it's been trained all its life to try and avoid that if possible, because we know that when it goes and attacks our cells, then we get something like autoimmunity, which is bad. So every now and then, a rare immune cell will learn to recognize a potential cancer cell, um, but it'll be in a sort of off state, so it won't be attacking your, your cells before a cancer um, uh, arrives. And we just screen lots and lots of immune systems from different people until we find a potential antibody or T cell that recognizes cancer cells. Um, and then we actually use that for the genetic engineering of cancer patients' immune cells in the future. That's the kind of insidious thing about cancer. Well, not insidious. Insidious implies that it's got some kind of <laughs> goal. But that is the, the tricky thing about cancer is that it is actually our own cells that have just got a little bit out of control. Yeah, definitely. So it's a healthy cell that was going along its life really well and it accumulated a couple of mutations, um, which all cells do. It can come from UV light, the kind of foods we eat, um, things that we inhale into our lungs. And every cell in our body could have some mutations. We have some repair mechanisms in the sort of brains of our cells that when they see a mutation, they'll try and fix it. And cancer only occurs when either a mutation can't be fixed or too many mutations happen at once and the, the repair um, system in our body can't deal with it that well. But even if there were 100 mutations in a cancer cell, it would still look very similar to a healthy cell, whereas when a COVID uh, virus particle comes into our body, it looks completely different. And that's why it's more difficult for the immune system to tell cancer apart from healthy cells, whereas a virus is very easy to spot. And in terms of the trial right now, so you mentioned B-cell lymphoma, so a very specific type of cancer that it's being used That's on. That's right. 
And the reason for that is because the antibody or the CAR chimeric receptor can only recognize one type of protein and different cell types have different types of protein. So B cell cancers will have a specific type of protein that our CAR T cells can see and other cancers won't. Obviously we and other researchers around the world are working on designing new CAR T cells for all the different kinds of cancer but we have to go uh, one step at a time. And that's where your research side of things comes in. Yeah, one of the many areas of research we're interested in. And this links us back to the work that Yasmin and Patricia are doing. From Rachel's office, I meet the pair at their desks. They've spent the morning analysing data from recent experiments, but they take a break to lead me through the warren of corridors, busy offices and meeting rooms that is the Malagan Institute, and down a flight of stairs to give me a tour of the labs. Uh, so we're downstairs on the bottom level of the Malagan, which is where all our cancer labs are based. Um, so we've got both our research labs down here and also our uh, what we call GMP labs, which are our manufacturing labs for the CAR T cells. So that's where we make the products that actually go into the patients. So yeah, these are our um, GMP labs on the left. So this is, as I said, where the, um, all the CAR T cells are made. So we've got a whole GMP team and their job is to basically manufacture these high quality, very active CAR T cells that we get a product from the hospital, a blood product, uh, bring it to the Maligan. That's where we do our genetic modification and um, the, the growing up of the CAR T cells. And then once that's happened here, they get taken back to the hospital um, and go straight into the patient. What does GMP stand for? Uh, it stands for Good Manufacturing Practice, which is like a um, universal standard for labs that um, are making things that go into humans or anything that's been used as a medication or any um, even like a syringe or anything like that is made in a GMP lab. There's no one in there right now. And when I look through the glass window, the lab looks impeccable. It is the cleanest lab I have ever seen. In a technically demanding process, CAR T-cells are made in this lab by editing the genome of the T-cells from the patient. A deactivated HIV virus is used to introduce a new genome sequence into the T-cell's DNA. The sequence tells the T-cells how to make the cancer-detecting receptor. And once back in the patient, the T-cells can copy themselves, but they can't spread this genome change to other cells. Yasmin tells me that the labs are incredibly regulated and the cleaning schedule is super stringent. So, go around the corner, we've got um, three labs. One of them is solely for um, basically doing work on the CAR T cells that have gone into the patient. So we keep a little sample of anything we make to go into a patient. And that sample, rather than going to the hospital, goes into one of our research labs. And once it's in the research lab, we can do tests on it um, and do kind of different functional assays to kind of predict or um, troubleshoot or anything just to do with gaining information about what might be happening in the patient. Or if something went wrong, we can go back and look at that sample and try to kind of figure out what went wrong. Um, but otherwise, we've got two other cancer labs. One is purely CAR T cells and one is for all our other cancer work because we've got quite a big team here at the Maligan that does cancer research. We pop into one of the labs so Patricia and Yasmin can explain further what they do. They both have slightly different aspects that they focus on. Yasmin is working kind of in parallel with the trial. She's digging into the nitty-gritty details of how the new type of CAR T cells they're using in the trial 
work? So um, basically I work alongside the clinical trial that we've got going on. So there's a phase one trial happening at uh, Wellington Hospital and we're the first trial ever in New Zealand for CAR-T cell therapy. And we're basically hoping to bring it to New Zealand, not only by licensing an international product, but actually by having a product of our own that we've developed here and that's really accessible and equitable for New Zealanders. So I kind of have the job of trying to figure out how this this therapy that we've got in patients is working on a very um, kind of cellular, molecular level because we know it does work. We've seen from international trials and we've seen from um, our preclinical work that these cells kill cancer cells and um, kill blood, blood tumour cells. So we know that they work, but as far as the actual mechanism goes, we're not quite sure of what that is yet um, and that's something that we're hoping to figure out while the trial's going and then publish it kind of alongside the trial to I guess inform future trials and to help us troubleshoot anything that went wrong if we if we understand really how those CAR T cells are working it'll make that job a lot easier. So are you working then with samples that come from patients? Yeah, so there's a bit of that, um, but most of that work will actually happen at the end of the trial. So for the last um, just over two years, while we've had this trial going, we're collecting samples every, well, sometimes every day or every week or every few months from each patient, and we kind of bank those samples, and then at the end we'll do this, I guess, like mass analysis of all our samples. But my main job at the moment is to kind of mirror what the trial's doing. So I manufacture cars with this with a very, very similar protocol to what GMP does, but I do it in our research lab. But then rather than sending them to a patient, I use them in the lab in what we call in vitro assays. So assays that are um, kind of in a dish or on a plate or you know, and not in a human. And that way we can make these models that we hope reflect what's happening inside the patient. So I guess it's a way of picturing what's happening inside the patient and like a simplified lab model. So every step that the CAR-T cell takes that prepares it for the trial, you're taking the same step, Yeah. <laughs> only instead of going into a patient, it's going into a dish of cells? Pretty much, yeah. So we have a, um, I've got the CAR-T cells that I've made and then we also have a tumour cell line. And this is basically a, a lymphoma cell line that we kind of, used to reflect the cancer that's in the patients. It's not going to be identical because every person's cancer is different, but it's a good model to have in the lab and um, we can kind of put it in a dish or in a little plate or whatever assay we're doing with the CAR T cells and measure ways that they interact, whether that's how effectively the CAR T cells are killing the cell line or um, what the CAR T cells are releasing once they see it or how they're being activated or what the CAR T cells look like two weeks or a month or however long after they've seen the cancer? Is it exhausting them or are they going to this kind of quiet state where they can be reactivated or we just really don't know any of these things in terms of with our particular CAR T cells. So So are you making a new CAR T cell per patient? Are you mirroring that closely? Uh, So in terms of the the manufacturing for the patients, it's... um, yeah, so it's very personalised. So every patient has their own CAR T cells made from their own blood product. In terms of what I do, um, just because the nature of a patient who's been through however many rounds of chemotherapy, who's immunocompromised and is kind of suffering already, we don't want to take more blood than we need to. So I don't actually use 
their personal T-cells to do what I'm doing. I just get donor T-cells, so either from the New Zealand Blood Service or just from different blood donors. Um, so I kind of have this endless supply of, of, um, of T-cells to work with, but we don't take any more from the patients than we really need to. So it's not an identical um, mirroring of exactly what's happening kind of patient by patient, but we can, I guess it's enough to, to get a really good idea of how these CAR T-cells behave. While Yasmin figures out exactly what their CAR T-cells are doing and how they can be tweaked to make them even better, Patricia is working on other aspects. One thing she's looking at is how to make this therapy safer. At the moment, CAR T-cell therapy can result in serious side effects when the T-cells get too enthusiastic about their job. This can trigger what's called cytokine release syndrome, which results in symptoms like your body is fighting flu, so fever or weakness. Or it can result in encephalopathy syndrome, a swelling of the brain. So Patricia would like to figure out how to make an off switch, essentially. So there are um, a few side effects to the CAR T-cell therapy that basically like don't allow the therapy to be used earlier in the treatment. So I'm working on including a safety switch on the T-cells to basically, if there is a side effect, we can kill off all the CAR T-cells and not the uh, cells of the patient, only the cells that we have introduced. She's also looking at how the therapy can be modified so it can be used to treat other types of cancers. Not just other blood cancers, but also those that cause solid tumours. So yeah, one of the main limitations um, of the use of CAR T-cells is that it, they cannot be used for solid tumours. Because if you think of a lymphoma or leukaemia, they will be like circulating in your blood. Um, so it will be like liquid cells, basically. But then when you have a solid mass, um, it would be hard for the T-cells to first find the tumour and then penetrate that mass of cells that is solid and then kill those tumour cells. So there is a big difference in the, I guess, in the morphology and the distribution of uh, a solid tumour and a leukaemia or lymphoma. Um, so it's a challenge for the T-cells to find the tumour and then to survive in the tumour microenvironment and actually do their job. So how are you addressing this in terms of your research? So I'm working on targeting a novel drug to the tumour site to then help CAR T-cells um, kill the tumours. So day to day when you're working in the lab, you're doing slight adjustments to these CAR T-cells and seeing how they'll interact with this drug and whether they can work well with the drug to defeat these solid tumours? Yes, exactly. So mostly, uh, initially, it would be a lot of molecular work to design the CARs. And then when we do the actual like functional assays, um, I have different CARs that have been modified and see which ones actually perform the best. So when you say the molecular work, what you're doing is changing that DNA sequence that results in the, the CAR, the receptor. Yes. And then with your functional assays, what you're doing is checking to see when you change that sequence, which one works better, which one maybe works worse, and then focusing in on those ones that work a bit better. Yes, so because CARs are um, chimeric receptors, like 
they are proteins. So I'm able to like modify those proteins by modifying the DNA that encodes for those proteins. And then yes, when we test their function, we have a cell line, a tumor cell line that is positive for the antigen that the cars target. So basically we measure uh, how much of the tumor has died, <laughs> of the tumor cell line has died when we do the functional size. And then based on that and other molecular markers, we can know if the cars are performing better or worse. Having a therapy that could target those solid tumors would just be massive. Yes. Yes, and even just the therapy for like leukemias and lymphomas. My family runs, like my grandfather had a lymphoma. My dad lives with chronic lymphocytic leukemia. And the uh, therapy works for him, but if it didn't, maybe cars would be the solution for him. So it affects my family a lot. Yeah, it's personal. Yeah, yeah it's quite personal as well. This is all working towards the team's end goal of making better, safer CAR T-cell therapies. Therapies that can be used earlier in someone's treatment, when they can make more of a difference, when they can save more lives. Because for now, the rules mean that for this New Zealand trial, the therapy is a last chance. I'll let Yasmin explain. So at the moment, because it's a clinical trial and for a cancer therapy clinical trial, you have to have exhausted every other option on the market for it to be in something experimental. So all the patients we get are kind of severely depleted from chemotherapy. They've been through so many rounds and um, basically until there was no other option left. They may have had back, bone marrow transplants or um, all that. So we're kind of getting them in a state where if the CAR T cells work when they're kind of this deep into their treatment regime, then we hope that they'd work even better and, and if we can kind of move it forward in the treatment regime, we can prove it's effective, then that would be the end goal to have it much further forward. Um, but yeah, at the moment it's, it's only on terminal patients, which has been it's quite challenging. And potentially with Patricia's work, it's not only moving it forward, but then also extending it to those other cancers. Yeah, exactly. That would be the, the end goal and, and upscaling to kind of bring the cost down so that patients with whatever cancer and kind of anywhere around New Zealand can get this treatment and it isn't like costing them an arm and a leg <laughs> like it is at the moment in the States or in the UK. They've already started working on this upscaling, says Rachel, by investing in some new technology. For the clinical trial, it's on a very small scale at the moment and we have two or three very dedicated and highly trained technicians who are the only people who can make those um, cells ready for the patients. And that takes them about two weeks at a time and we have to have a very clean room with only one patient cells present in it so we can only make uh, a therapy for one patient at a time. And then we have to clean out the lab and do some safety testing and then probably there's at least a month to six weeks between when we can treat each patient. But we'd want to treat everyone who needs um, CAR T cells as quickly as possible. So we're actually developing an automated system for making CAR T cells in a closed system. So that basically means the CAR T cells will be generated by a robot in a little sterile bubble. And we could have lots of those robots um, in the same lab and make CAR T cells for lots of different cancer patients at once. And the robot we're using is called a cocoon. And it's a very fancy and expensive toy that we're playing with at the moment to learn how to make it work the best in the future. Day to day, Yasmin and Patricia's work in the lab sounds like this. Lots of pipetting, working with cell culture dishes, counting cells, centrifuges, your typical lab sounds. 
When you get down to it, molecular biology involves a lot of carefully moving small volumes of liquid from one place to another. And maybe it would be easy to get lost in this day-to-day basic lab work and forget the bigger picture. But they really don't. You're both young researchers. What can you see happening across your research lifetimes or within your lifetimes in this space? I think a lot. I I genuinely believe that in in 10 years the cancer treatment landscape will just look entirely different. We're just definitely moving into this more personalised and using kind of all these different elements that we now know of, genetic engineering, immunotherapy, like all these different things kind of coming together molecular biology and it's yeah I think it's going to look completely different maybe I'm, I'm being overly optimistic no, no, I but. think it's right and I think usually like people who actually give us money to work don't pay a lot of attention to the basics and if we don't understand how your body works how the immune system works then we can't actually develop new therapies Only because someone did that in the past with T-cells and T-cell receptors and the mechanism, now we can take those components of the receptor to make these chimeric receptors. So only because lots of people did the basic work, we can develop new therapies now. Thanks to Yasmin Nori, Dr. Patricia Rubio-Reyes, Dr. Rachel Perrett and Hamish Cameron, all from the Malagan Institute of Medical Research. This episode was produced by me, Claire Kincannon. Sound engineering was by Phil Benj. Tim Watkin is the executive producer of Podcasts and Series. You can find and follow Our Changing World on your favourite podcast platform. And check out the show's website at rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworlds where there'll be photos and links related to the story, as well as access to our extensive back catalogue of episodes. And if you'd like to, you can sign up to our monthly newsletter there. If you want to get in touch with us, we're on Facebook or Twitter, at RNZ Science. There are lots of other great RNZ podcasts on a whole range of topics for you to explore and enjoy. Have a listen to the latest release, Hair and Loathing. It's a four-part series about women and body hair, produced and presented by Charlotte Cook. It's honest, funny, and thought-provoking. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Claire Kincannon. Kia pai to wiki. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.